Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our text is taken from the book of Psalms, Psalm 105, verse 1, which says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people or among the nations. This is a missionary text. The point is here that we should have a great concern for those who have never heard the gospel of Christ, for those who are in cultures where there's repression and where there is persecution. We should make known his deeds among all people. We have been redeemed by his precious blood and the wonderful gift, the work on the cross that he did. We need to make that known so that all people worldwide, over seven billion of us, have the privilege of hearing the gospel of Christ and having the opportunity to receive him as our Lord and Savior. Let us give thanks and call upon his name as we pray for those who are lost and as we get involved in missionary activity so that every man, woman, and child have repeated opportunities to hear and see the gospel of Christ. touched me
this radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio some missionaries from India. They've been with our ministry over 18 years and um, have quite a ministry uh, in India. We have Asher and Miriam and uh, Sam in our studio today. Asher is going to tell us about his church planning ministry that the Lord has blessed over the years. Sam, why don't you uh, share with how this all got started? In the year 1994, soon after our uh, Bible college uh, finished, and we stepped into the ministry into the villages, especially among the Dalits and the Gypsy village uh, tribal groups. We started witnessing to them and the Lord began to do wonders and the miraculous healing touch upon the Dalits and the tribal people. And the Lord opened up the doors where people are coming to know the Lord. And from that uh, people groups, some of the young people have given their lives to the Lord's ministry to work with us and witnessing to more villages. As the years gone by, few young people like Solomon and Pandu and Abraham, these people came along with us as a team. We been continued to reach the villages with the gospel. When we seen they're able to witness on their own we set them up into a village to uh, continue to minister and uh, preach the gospel into the different villages asher don't you also uh, train them you send them to some training before we send them out we give a short time course like uh, three months uh, training the free bible school and uh, some of them are uh, went through one year our uh, language uh, Bible school. After that, we sent them. And we started with uh, one, two people in the year 1994. And today we have uh, 30 pastors in the villages. And we really looking to the Lord to see their needs have been met in the Lord. We have a small farming where we raise up, raise a few milking calves from which we have taken a bit of tithe and we bought two motorcycles for the pastors. Of the 30 pastors, we only got two motorbikes. Uh, that is, we have taken their tithe from the milk that we got. So we, we wanted to just... Uh, see more blessings to these pastors in the villages by uh, having more uh, uh, help every month so that uh, they can survive and continue to preach the gospel. You have a bunch of milk cows that provide milk each each day and yes. you sell the milk and out of that milk you're able to uh, support these pastors and even uh, you've even been able to buy two motorbikes yes. to uh, go to the various villages so yeah. that's that's pretty exciting. So, and then you also mentioned that you have uh, meetings with these men. You continue to disciple these 30 men. We ask these uh, village pastors to come every month uh, uh, a fellowship where we can get together and share what, what the Lord been doing and what the needs are. So we together we pray in that fastest uh, uh, fellowship and also to make sure that they have a short time course like uh, three months uh, Telugu in Telugu evangelism training so that they can be able to 
witness properly. Yeah, that's that's a really uh, wonderful ministry you have, and I'm so thankful that you're able to not only have a church uh, in your own compound uh, where the orf orphanage and uh, your ministry takes place, but also that you're reaching out to the various villages around and uh, have these men who are so faithful in sharing the gospel and um, being able to plant churches there. And so the Lord has really blessed you over the years, and we're so thankful for that. Praise the Lord for the way that um, continues to meet your needs and continues to help you, and we'll continue to pray for you over the next couple of months and years. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you are aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we continue to need your continuing support and prayers. It's the oldest Christian broadcast in North America, and Lord has been so faithful to us over the years. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet by G June Hunt entitled Hope, and I think all of us need a little hope. She has here, hope is the anchor of your soul. The idea is to regain a hopeful outlook on life is not difficult or complicated. All it requires is a shift in focus. When you have Christ as your anchor, rather than drowning in despair, you're held secure in his hope, which I think is a good statement. You need to know what characterizes misplaced hope, the symptoms of hopelessness, what distinguishes faith from hope, how to understand God's will in the midst of disappointment, and how to reach out to those contemplating suicide. All these things are included in this booklet that you can get for a reference, and I really encourage you to do that. You can find an anchor for your soul and a sure hope through the guaranteed promises of God. Discover the characteristics and benefits of a life harbored in the hope of God's unfailing word. To order your copy, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And don't forget to continue to pray for Canada's National Bible Hour. We appreciate your help and your support. Every day we got a chance to change this crazy world. That chance is every little thing we say. If we speak of peace to every little boy and girl, then maybe we can make this a better place. Oh yeah, who's gonna tell them? Who's gonna tell them? Who's gonna tell them about love? Who's gonna teach them? Yeah, who's gonna teach them? Who's gonna teach them about love? Today's message is from Dr. Fred Hartman. Printed copies are available upon request. For many months, we've been considering events that certainly seem to point to the reality that we're very close to the rapture of the church and the events that will follow it. Today, I would like to consider with you the subject of anti-Semitism. It is quite evident that anti-Semitism is rapidly expanding all around the world. Our question is, does this have anything to do with how close we might be 
to the end time events. We will begin our study in Deuteronomy 28. This chapter and the next one were given to the children of Israel while they were in the wilderness before they entered the promised land. In the first 14 verses of chapter 28, God promised to richly bless them in the land if they were obedient to him. The rest of chapter 28 and 29 is where God promised to bring one curse after another on them if they failed to obey him. The final and worst curse he promised was that they would be cast out of their land and scattered among the nations of the world in verses 62 to 67. You shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven in multitude because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing. And you shall be plucked from off the land which you go to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone. And among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot find resting place. But there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. In the morning you shall say, Oh, that it were evening. And at evening you should say, Oh, that were it were morning, because of the fear which terrifies your heart, and because of the sight which your eyes see. Even before the children of Israel entered the promised land, God gave this stern warning that if they turned away from him, they would be removed from his blessings, lose their land, and be scattered around the entire world. The first time they turned to idol worship and lost their land. They were invaded by Babylon, lost their land, and were captors in Babylon for 70 years. After their return from the Babylonian captivity, once again they rejected God and even had his son crucified. This time, God brought the powerful Roman army against them in 70 AD. Then they were not only defeated, but were scattered over the entire globe. God's promise was literally fulfilled. Leaving the situation of Israel for a little while, let's consider the plight of the Jewish people scattered throughout the Gentile world, just for a few moments. Throughout history, there have been, they have been maligned and held back in the business world. In many countries, they could not own property. They became tradesmen, like shoemakers and tailors, making clothes. Eventually, they went into banking because the Roman Catholic Church would not allow their constituents to loan or borrow money and charge interest on it. So they borrowed money from the Jewish people. Then came the Crusades, which were designed to march into Palestine and free Jerusalem from the Muslim hordes that had taken over. However, 
as they marched away to battle when they came to a Jewish town. They slaughtered the Jewish people, for they had been taught that the Jews killed Jesus. These Christ killers had to face death because of what they had done to him. In 1492, the year Columbus sailed the blue, the Spanish Inquisition was enacted. This meant that any Jew who did not flee the Spanish Empire or convert, convert to Christianity would be slaughtered. Thousands of Jewish people were slain, and thousands more fled to other countries. Jewish people feared for their lives, just as predicted in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Around the beginning of the 20th century, you had the Russian pogroms, which killed many Jews indiscriminately as they went about their daily tasks. One elderly Jewish woman told me years ago that when she was a little girl, she was with her grandmother who was shopping for food at an open market. Russian Cossacks came down, riding their horses, taking their swords. They indiscriminately beheaded one Jewish person after another. Her grandmother was one of those victims. Then there was the Nazi Holocaust of World War II. They slaughtered, gassed, or burned six million Jews all across Europe. I have been to the Holocaust Museum both in Washington, D.C., and many times to the one in Jerusalem. Anyone who comes out of them without shedding some tears is just really hard-hearted. At the present time, I'm reading a book entitled, Their Only Crime Was Being Jewish. It is made up of the testimonies of hundreds of Jewish people who went through the Holocaust and survived. No wonder Deuteronomy 28 tells us that when the Jews are scattered around the world, they would be afraid for their lives. Now here we are 76 years after the Holocaust ended. Are things any better today regarding anti-Semitism? You might think the world would have learned from that terrible experience, but it has not. All across Europe, there's a growing hatred of the Jewish people. Their own rabbis have told the Jewish people there is no future there for them. In France, there's a group that even wants to build gas ovens to get rid of all the Jewish people there. The leaders in most of the Scandinavian countries have told the Jewish people to leave or else. In the United States, synagogues are being defaced with all sorts of graffiti. Jewish people are attacked and beaten on the streets of some of our cities. In some of our colleges, Jewish students are not allowed to hold offices in the student activities, and they are often harassed. Recently, after the last defensive efforts by Israel to stop the rocket attacks from Gaza, there were demonstrations on the streets of several cities against the Jewish state for defending itself. The wave of anti-Semitism around the world is growing exponentially. God told the Jewish people this would happen way back in the book of Deuteronomy. By this time, you're probably asking the question, what does this have to do with end-time events? For the next few minutes, I'll try to answer that question from the scriptures. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, the prophet tells of a future day 
when a multitude made up of the armies of many countries will come against Israel. Because it says that Israel will be dwelling in peace at that time, it would have to occur before the Antichrist breaks his peace treaty with Israel, halfway through the tribulation. In Matthew 24, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jerusalem, he responded to their questions by giving the great Olivet Discourse, which is Jesus' overview of prophecy. We must remember that he was Jewish, and so were his disciples. He tells them that during the tribulation, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated uh, by all nations for my name's sake. He goes on to tell them that unless those days are cut off, all the Jewish people would die. Furthermore, he tells them at the middle of the tribulation, they will all have to flee for their lives. Now, these two illustrations don't depict the anti-Semitism of the day as small but growing. I don't know what does. As the mountain people where we live would put it, you ain't seen nothing yet. In Zechariah chapter 12, the prophet tells of a day in the future when nations will be drunken men, obsessed with taking the city of Jerusalem. They will lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. He says that all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. Then he goes on to say, In that day the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. This gives you an idea of what God thinks about anti-Semitism reaching its zenith. In Revelation chapter 12, John gives us a description of a woman who would bear a male child. It says that Satan would do everything in his power to destroy that child, both before and after he was born. In verse 5, we read, And she bore a male child, who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Now we know this child is Christ. The woman who bore him was not Mary, as some hold. The earlier verses of the chapter make it clear that the woman is Israel, through whom the child would come. Verse 5 speaks of the ascension of Jesus. Later in the chapter is a description of a war in heaven, where Satan will be cast out of heaven. As a result of this, we find what happens beginning in verse 12, where we read, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows he has but a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. We know that Satan has done his very best to defeat God's plan for the ages. In the case of Jesus, prior to his birth, he used every possible tool in his arsenal to keep him from coming. He did his best to cut off the line of Christ. 
He tried to have him killed at his birth. His tactics were to destroy his humanity, and he thought he had won when Jesus was crucified. But then came the resurrection. He was defeated at the cross, but he has not given up. Today he uses anti-Semitism, and in the future he will pour all his wrath on the Jewish people during the tribulation. Finally, we need to look at Revelation chapter 12, chapter 20, to see Satan's final effort against the Jewish people. In verses 7 through 10, we read, Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. As we have seen, anti-Semitism is a major tool of Satan. It has lasted throughout history. But as the end times approach, it will blossom and grow until the nations of the entire world will be involved in it. The nations will join together to destroy Israel and the Jewish people. Today, as we watch anti-Semitism growing by leaps and bounds, we can only sense that Satan is running wild to attain his goal of thwarting God's eternal redemptive program. As we watch this unfolding before our eyes, it seems to make it very clear that we're drawing very close to God's end-time events. The question I leave with you is whether or not you're ready for them. If, if you have received Christ as your Savior, you will spend eternity with Him. Otherwise, eternity for you will be with Satan in the lake of fire, tormented forever and ever. The choice is yours today, my friend. I trust that the message you just heard is a real blessing to you and will encourage you in your faith. I want to minister to the Christian community through good Bible studies and good preaching, but we also have a concern for those who may not know Jesus Christ personally. And so I always like to share the gospel at the end of the broadcast. The Bible teaches that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of that sin is death. That's eternal damnation. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You have to realize you're a sinner. You realize that you have broken God's laws, and it only takes one sin to disqualify you from being into his presence because he's a totally 100% pure God. And so God had to provide a way for us because none of us knew anyway. We can't do enough works. There's no way to get back to God. There's no way to pay off our sin because we've offended the most high God. And Jesus bore your sins in his own body alone on that tree, on that cross. And because of that sacrifice that he made, he died and he rose again on the third day and he's alive and well and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit accepted that sacrifice and because of that when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ Jesus said I'm the way the truth and life no man comes to the Father but through me so the only way to get to God is through Jesus and you need to ask him to come in your life you need to confess your sins 
and ask him to become part of your life, and he will. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet by June Hunt entitled Hope, and I think all of us need a little hope. She has here, hope is the anchor of your soul. The idea is to regain a hopeful outlook on life is not difficult or complicated. All it requires is a shift in focus. When you have Christ as your anchor, rather than drowning in despair, you're held secure in his hope, which I think is a good statement. You need to know what characterizes misplaced hope, the symptoms of hopelessness, what distinguishes faith from hope, how to understand God's will in the midst of disappointment, and how to reach out to those contemplating suicide. All these things are included in this booklet that you can get for a reference, and I really encourage you to do that. You can find an anchor for your soul and a sure hope through the guaranteed promises of God. Discover the characteristics and benefits of a life harbored in the hope of God's unfailing word. To order your copy, please write to Cas National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And don't forget to continue to pray for Canada's National Bible Hour. We appreciate your help and your support.